This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 154. Strangers and Aliens, summer movie series. Tomorrowland. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben Avery and I'm here for another in our round of summer movie coverage. Uh, We've covered Mad Max, we've covered Avengers, Age of Ultron, and now we're here to cover the Disney blockbuster that doesn't seem to have busted much with the blocks. But uh, it did okay. I I haven't looked at the... uh, Well, everyone's blaming this for canceling Tron 3, so maybe it didn't do okay. (laughs) But I am not here with Dr. Jace. I'm not here with Steve. I'm not here with um, Reverend Rachel. I'm not here with uh, Daniel, Dandy Daniel Butcher, who right now is not listening to this. I don't know how how long he's going to have to wait to listen to it because he doesn't listen to anything that we do unless he's seen it already. Because he even the the non-spoiler parts of these episodes where I say, listen to it and... See how much I recommend this movie, Daniel. And he's, ah. <laughs> he was actually going to be on here with me, along with my guests. The three of us were going to talk about Tomorrowland because basically Tomorrowland is a movie that was made for Daniel. And I mean, I, I don't know. We'll get into that. But I'm here with my friend, Evan David. Evan. Hello, I'm Evan David. And Evan is a friend of mine, actually one of the few people I podcast with who actually I've seen face to face and spent, you know, time breaking bread with him. So, uh, he's also a frequent call in guy for welcome to level seven, but we went to church together and, um, found out we have a lot of similar interests and talk some shop. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Evan, um, real quick, you are a host of another podcast, right? Yep. Uh, in fact, the podcast that I am a co-host of was inspired by this very podcast that I am honored to be a uh, guest host on, uh, Strangers and Aliens. And my podcast is called the Static Blade Podcast. And you can find it at facebook.com slash Podcast. Sounds good. And you'll also mention that at the end of the episode. But last time with Mad Max, I waited until the end to have Rachel mention her podcast so I, I feel bad a little bit about that but anyway here we are so yes we're here to talk about tomorrowland which is a disney movie sci-fi live action and it's some people have even said gone so far as to say that this is a um disney nostalgia movie and i would agree it exists solely for those of you who are disney fans and like you know the super disney fans and that that's why it's not done so well in the box office. I wholeheartedly disagree that it's only for the diehard Disney fan because I am not a diehard Disney fan. I am a nostalgic sci-fi fan, and there's a lot there for the nostalgic sci-fi fan as well. Yes. But the basic uh, concept, if you've seen the trailer, is that there is a place called Tomorrowland. And in Tomorrowland... There's all sorts of wonder and beauty and excitement and looking forward to the future by looking backward 
into the visions of the future that we got, you know, when, when back when the future was a, an exciting place to look at, you know, back in the sixties when <laughs> Disneyland was just a, a gleam in Walt Disney's eye and, um, Disney land too, though. Right. <laughs> Cause well, they were both he, gleams in his eye. Yeah. 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 I mean, eventually they both came out of you know his imagination and anyway, um, you can see I'm not the Disney super geek, so it's... <laughs> I uh, I'm an aspiring Disney super geek, okay. but I, I consider myself a, a fan for sure. Fair enough, fair enough. So here we are. We're talking about this movie that stars George Clooney, that features robots, that has um, sci-fi elements that I'm really not even going to say. That um, y- the stuff that you see in the trailers. What's cool about it is that it's not really what you expect. It's not really um, what you see in the trailer. They take that and they kind of turn it on its head. And I'm, I'm glad the way they did it because the trailer doesn't spoil the story. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And so I was sitting down. I was experiencing this story not knowing at all where this movie was going because all the trailer stuff was at the beginning. And even the stuff I saw in the trailer wasn't exactly what I was uh, in, in context, wasn't what I was expecting. Um, but there are some things that in, in this movie that um, it's not perfect. It's, it's definitely not a perfect movie. But uh, so right now, the way we do this is we are talking about the movie without spoiling the plot. So I'm going to be very vague about things yes. I do like. Uh, we're not going to spoil the plot for you. We are going to, at the end of this section, we will tell you if, if we recommend it. Who we recommend it for, we'll give it a letter grade, and then we'll play the spoiler music, and we'll move on to talk specifically about things like the plot, the characters, the specific actions of the characters, the controversialness (laughs) of the humanistic uh, message, which, you know, no surprise, it's a sci-fi movie made by secular people. It's going to have a either a humanistic message or it's going to have some sort of nihilistic message. I think that's pretty much the two extremes that sci-fi goes to. And, um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about those, those specific things. But for right now, um, Evan, what are your, what are your first impressions about this movie? Uh, what, what are your, you're sitting down with someone. They're mm-hmm. interested in the movie mm-hmm. and you don't want to give away anything because, I'm assuming you're like me, especially for this movie. It's fresh. It's new. It's not a remake. It's not a reboot. It's not a sequel. It is completely brand new. And you're going to tell them, hey, here's here's some of the things I I liked about this movie. But you're coding it, man. You got to code it. Yep. I'm going to I'm going to try. Okay. So, So if I was sitting down with somebody and they said, hey, should I go see Tomorrowland? I would say yes go see it. In fact, I have suggest I've recommended it to a couple of people already just in daily life, walking, talking with them. And uh, I, I even, uh, and I'll explain this a little later. I even, uh, offered to buy a friend of mine, the ticket. So he would just go see it because hmm. I, I thought it would be a good watch for him. I did that once and he refused to go. Which movie was it? It was Pacific Rim. Huh. Uh, it was a friend of mine who I know through the podcast who I'm not going to say what Kobe's name is, 
<laughs> but I am just going to say that his last name might be Radcliffe, uh, and he might be uh, an honored or, or a honorary member of the Strangers and Aliens team, or he might not be, but he probably is because he's Kobe. Um, I offered him, I offered to pay for his ticket, and if he didn't like the movie, I would pay for his popcorn, too. <laughs> and if he did like the movie then he was on his own with the popcorn. But like, there was no way he could come out of that movie having lost any money, having lost anything, you know? Right. All he lost was a couple hours of his time because the dude loves the Transformers movies. Hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. Well, that's shady right there. Go to the Transformers movies, enjoy them, do what you want with them, but let me treat you to a movie that I like. He refused, 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 refused. And wow. then... And then went and watched it at Matt Anderson's house, or maybe it was Daniel Butcher's house. I'm not sure. It was one of those guys. I think uh, they had a barbecue or something like that. And went and watched it. Apparently didn't like it, but wouldn't wouldn't do it for me. He would only do it for his real friends, I guess. But yeah, yeah, that's that's the podcaster's life, you know. Yeah. I didn't choose the podcaster's life. The podcaster's chose life you. chose me. Yeah. <laughs> and it means re you know, recommending movies to people that refuse to see it. And then when they do, they show they have questionable taste by not liking it. Or they reveal that I have questionable taste, but I don't believe that. I just believe that everybody else believes that. No, I think with Pacific Rim, if you like Transformers, there's no reason not to like Pacific Rim. I, I liked it. But I also like Speed Racer. I love Speed Racer. And That's another story. Oh, I love Speed Racer. I think we I talked do. about this before. Yeah. And I'm, you, I'm glad that you do. I'm glad I'm not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that movie is, it's, it's fairly perfect in the way it's just kids playing with cars. Yeah. <laughs> really. But uh, yeah, that's a whole other story. So yes, Pacific Rim, Speed Racer, we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about... Tomorrowland. So you're sitting down with them. You've got your friend who you offered to buy the ticket for, and what? What? So what is it you're telling them as you're as you're telling them they should see it? Well, the reason for my friend the the friend I was going to buy it for uh, that that goes into some spoiler territory, so I won't say that. But uh, it's it's just a fun movie. Um, and like if you're if you like Disney, if you've been to Disney World, Disneyland, then you've probably been to the Tomorrowland section of the park. You've probably ridden the rides there and seen the displays and stuff. And if you enjoy that sort of thing, man, you're just going to, like you already said, it's for the Disney fan. You're just going to eat this up. But even if you're not a, a, a strictly a Disney fan, uh, it, I mean, it's a it's a sci-fi movie. And it's a very different sort of sci-fi movie than the, the ones we've been getting. Yeah, yeah. It definitely plays into the retro sci-fi. Yeah. And so after I saw Tomorrowland, the only thing I told Daniel... Uh, which this isn't really a spoiler for him was they made this movie for him Yep. as a man who loves Disney has a blog about Disney who really appreciates Walt Disney and the men who um, Walt Disney surrounded himself with and the, yeah. you know, the Imagineers and all that. Um, and my appreciation really for all of that stuff comes from, I appreciate them as creatives, but it was a general appreciation uh, similar to my appreciation for Jack Kirby, you know, where yeah. I hadn't really discovered him. I just knew about him and appreciated him for who he was, but not from what I experienced. And that's a similar situation here. 
Uh, and so they made this movie for him, uh, for Daniel, who, you know, he loved Iron Man 2 more than any other Iron Man movie because, because. of the way that Iron Man's father, Howard Stark, is really uh, patterned against uh, Walt, Walt Disney. Disney. Yeah. And, and and the World's Fair uh, stuff that they that they allude to and, and actually they allude to even, I think, in the Captain America movie. But yeah. Um, so, and I'm, I'm just bummed that Daniel cannot be here tonight because he hasn't seen the movie. Because I really wanted to talk to him about this because I think we'd have a lot to rave about. Yeah, a, yeah. You, you guys could have really geeked out together, I think, yeah. about some of that stuff. And um, yeah. And, and so but for then what I said to him was they made this movie for him. And then they may also they made this movie for me, but for different reasons. And one of them is that retro future. I love love retro future stuff i love looking at yeah. pulp magazines and seeing you know what they're looking forward to in the future i love the idea of i mean i saw 2001 a space odyssey you know in the 90s mm. i might have even seen it no i don't it was it would have been at the earliest 1994 that i would have seen the whole movie all together and not just clips on like specials on tv um so i saw it in the 90s but then i love watching 2001 you know 15 years later yeah. than the movie should have happened um and i love looking at the pulps and and seeing the spaceships and the jetpacks and the you know the the alien technology but the human technology and like what would a house look like on mars <laughs> And, you know, when it's 1942 and you're looking forward to, you know, 1991. And I, I love that kind of thing. And that is all over the place here. Oh, yeah. But the, it's, oh, go ahead. it's very it's very pulpy. It's very uh, I mean, this is like Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow. This is like the Rocketeer. Um, if you enjoy any of that, those type of movies, uh, I mean, this is going to appeal to you. But here's the other thing it's like. This is the other vibe that I was getting is I got a vibe of like E.T. I got a vibe really? of the, yeah, kind of the family Spielberg type adventure movies. Mm. The sci-fi stuff, you know, like E.T. Um, like well, maybe even like, some, I mean, we're, we're getting to cheesier ter territory than what E.T. and this movie are. But like Goonies or um, like Batteries Not Included or, you know, those kind of movies. And, you know, I'll say this right now, not spoiling, uh, uh, Michael Giacchino or Giacchino, Giacchino. I, I can't remember which, which, uh, consonants are hard, which are soft, but the composer, he channels his inner John Williams <laughs> all over the place. And there are, are many, many moments when I was reminded of the ET score. And there are many moments when I was reminded of the Star Wars score and, there are many moments of just kind of tension and action that I was just, you know, thinking about, you know, Elliot riding his bike, running away from the government agents, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and so it just reminded me of those all ages type of family sci-fi adventure yeah, movies I'm from the eighties. And this is definitely a family film. Uh, this is one that I don't have kids yet, but uh, I think I would be okay if you know taking my kids to if you know not like when they're super little, but <laughs> they, they wouldn't have to be teenagers. I don't think 
for me to take them to this movie. Uh, this is a movie that I plan to take my kids to uh, in the theater. I mean, this is one that I'm looking forward to. Okay. Sometime during the summer, probably in the dollar theater. Cause yeah. you know, not all five of my kids will be going, but four of them will be. <laughs> and four is enough to, uh, you know, at a regular theater kind of break your, break the yeah. But, uh, I'll be honest not related to the actual what I was seeing on the screen in the final moments of the movie, but when the movie itself ended and the credits were rolling, I felt a little bit of a lump in my throat. And really? yeah, it was really a nostalgic kind of thing. It was really just like, ah, oh. and I just remembered the feelings I had as a kid going to those movies or renting those movies more likely because I wasn't actually we didn't go to the theater very often unless it was a special event like a Star Wars or um you know a re-release of ET or you know those kind of things a Muppets movie but it just reminded me of how I felt after going to those movies mm-hmm. and I don't think I'll be able to have my kids have those same reaction at least not all four of them That'll yeah. be going. I'm, I'm imagining though my middle daughter. I'm wondering how much it's going to catch her because that's another thing we have here is we have a handful of very strong, uh, female leads yep. in this. And there's one who is youngish. There's one who seems younger, you know, <laughs> um, yep. there's also, uh, you know, there's, there's the male lead, the George Clooney character, but, um, this is very much a movie that I feel like, okay, if my daughter goes and sees this movie, she's getting a fairly, a fairly good role model. Um, there are a couple moments where, you know, she's breaking the rules. Um, yep. she avoids a lie by implying the lie when she tells the truth. You know, like, yeah, he says, are you going to do that thing you're not supposed to do? And she's like, well, if I were going to do that, that wouldn't be a very good example, would it? You know, and, and, you know, there's, there's, there's that sliding by there, but really she's, she's a strong character. It is one of those situations where at one point the daughter is kind of more competent than the father. And, you know, she's the one who's kind of parenting him, the, the man child. Uh, it's close. Yeah. It's close. But the way she's doing it is actually from a lesson that he taught her. So she's, and this is something that it does happen with kids every once in a while where they throw something back in your face that you taught them. And they're like, but you just did this. And remember what you told me last month? And yeah, okay. And it's either, you know, do as I say, not as I do, or it's okay. I better think about, okay, I'm going to have to change something here. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, I mean, those are my initial impressions here is, well, is just let me, that. Let me say one more thing before we move on. Uh, you talked about the composer. Mm-hmm. I just want to take a brief moment and, and mention the director of this movie, yes. which is the main reason well, besides the title of the movie, why I was so excited for this film. Uh, it's Brad Bird is directing this film and every, um, I think every movie I've ever seen by him is one of my favorite movies. Now I have not seen the mission impossible movie. He did. It is awesome. Okay. I have it. 
I just uh, actually plan to watch through the series with my wife, and we haven't gotten okay. around to that. Um, we haven't even watched the first one yet, <laughs> so there's that's where I am in that situation. But, <laughs> um, but start he he. Well, I mean, he's a Pixar guy, or was a Pixar guy. He was a he driving. Was a Pixar guy. They brought him in to Pixar to direct The Incredibles, another great pulp sci-fi. Yeah. At and they brought him in for that because he directed one of the greatest animated pulp sci-fi movies of all time, in my opinion, The Iron Giant, which is also a great movie. And if you didn't know he directed that movie, by the end of this movie, you've had it thrown in your face a few different times. Yeah. Um, there's definitely. A nice, I don't know if I would go say, over to say that it was an overabundance or that he went overboard with that, but there's definitely, you see it, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, because it fits into, it fits into the, the, the dressing, the dre- the set dressing of, of one of the scenes, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely there and very, very visible. So, uh, yeah, that is a great movie though. And then. Uh, he did that Mission Impossible movie. Um, did he do anything else at Pixar as a as a primary yes. director? Which yes. one? Ratatouille. Yes. Okay. Which is one that I know Daniel hates. I know, and I I can't let that go, Daniel. That is <laughs> that is that is my favorite Pixar film. Okay, I won't go that far. <laughs> I, I know I'm I'm unique in that opinion, but it is my favorite. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go too crazy there, but I did like Ratatouille. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a nice heartfelt film. But, you know, you say nice, heartfelt film. And, and what are you describing? A, a Pixar movie. I mean, right. that's just what they are. And he brings that heart here to yeah. to Tomorrowland. Um, he brings the passion for Disney, I think, to this. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming as, you know, he's the guy sitting in the director's chair that that a lot of that feeling and that tone is coming from him. I heard that there's a lot of Disney references that were even dropped. That in the movie? In the movie, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what. They I definitely were, caught some of them. But there was a lot that, there was a lot more. But they dropped them. And, like, they cut them from the movie. Oh, okay. Um, And and I don't know how much was dropped. I don't know what was dropped. But, yeah, there's tons of Disney references. Even I was catching some of these <laughs> references to, you know, the World's Fair. References to, I don't know what else. Um, uh. Oh, well, we'll movies and and all that kind of thing, but um, yeah. So that's that's my initial impressions. Any more from you then that you, you would you would bring up? Ah, uh, no. I mean, it's an enjoyable film. I liked it, and uh, it does have a, a problem or two. But overall, I, I say go see it. Go see it in the theater and just enjoy it. Yeah. Um. So I'm now we'll we'll uh, we'll grade the movie and then we'll say who we would recommend it for. Um, and if you're ready with your grade, go ahead and you can go first. But if you're not, then I'll go first and let you, let you think okay. about it. I've got mine. Okay, go ahead then. I'm going to give it a solid B. A solid B. Okay. Yep. Solid B. Um, it hit a lot of right notes for me, but there was just, there was a, a couple things that just subtracted from it just enough to, to pull it down from an A. Maybe, maybe I give it a B plus. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give it an A, just I, because. And I'll, I'll talk about that in the spoiler section. Yeah, and I, I was toying with a, a B plus or A minus, and I actually think that 
the thing that drags me down to a B plus, and this is really weird considering how much um, you know involved in animation he is, but some of the special effects just felt like they were old. It, it felt like I was seeing something from you know five years ago rather than just you know today. And I don't know how much of that is budget, how much of that is time, um, but some of it just didn't feel rendered right. I I don't know. I'm, I'm not quite sure. And it, it just and then there is there are a few things that do overstay their welcome, and we'll get into that. Okay. But um, there are some things where I was kind of like squirming in my seat and just like okay let's let's move on here but um the story i loved it hit a lot of sci-fi sweet spots for me yeah. and you know retro future thing being only one if i said anything more um I, I i would spoil some of it and i really do think it'd be a good one it is a good one to get into fresh so who would you recommend this to? Or, I mean, obviously you recommend this just to people because yeah. you were offering someone a ticket. But. Yes. All right. So who would I recommend this to? Like we said, if you're a Disney fan, obviously this movie has, has been made for you, especially if you're a fan of the parks and Walt Disney as a, as a man, uh, you're going to enjoy this. Uh, and if you like, if you like sci-fi movies, uh, if you, I mean, Lots, I don't know if this is a spoiler. I won't say it because it might be a spoiler. So I won't say it. And uh, finally, I uh, I would recommend this to Christians. Huh, interesting. Yes, and that, this is one of the things I want to talk about when we get to the spoiler section. But yes, I would recommend this to Christians. Right. Um, and I, I obviously, again, also recommend it. I think this actually works nicely. And I've already said this in the Mad Max episode. But I think this actually works nicely as a double feature with Mad Max. And maybe I, I said that in the... You said it. The Oh, did I? Okay. Because I, I, I might have said it in the Spirited Away episode two that I did with Geekly Yoked. But um, this definitely works as a double feature with Mad Max because of the themes they both tackle. And it's one of those, you know, weird double features yeah. that I want to do an episode about soon. Um, and so in, in that regard, if you are a fan of... Um, sci-fi movies and especially you know optimistic sci-fi movies um there's definitely elements of utopia dystopia that you're gonna you get into with this uh you know it's called tomorrowland so it's obviously looking to the future and and you know talking about those things but um also uh for family adventure i mean this is definitely this is a family movie i could recommend as a family movie uh, there's very few objectionable things that I can even th think of. There might be some things that slip by my radar, but I was watching the movie to ask, would I bring my kids to this? And the answer yeah. is, yes, I would. And I'm pretty conservative about what we take my you know, our kids to and what we let them watch. And so this is something that I would I would definitely feel comfortable taking. Um, you know, my kids who are at this point, you know, nine and up, but uh, my four year old, no. Um, <laughs> there's some. There's some weird images that yes. that a four-year-old might be kind of freaked out by, and that might become one of those things where it becomes a phobia later on in life. But um, yeah, so with with that, um, I recommend it to them. I, I recommend it to. I, I would not recommend it to people who are a little too worried about. Um, let's just say. <laughs> 
liberal messages in movies because I could see where that could be taken from from some of the the imagery that were given in the movie. On the flip side, well, I also think that it's it's a valid what they do in the movie is valid to the story and is valid to like to think about uh how you affect the future. Let's put yeah. it that way. So what they did in the movie, I didn't feel was there is a moment where yes, it is it does feel more agenda driven. We'll talk about that yeah. in the spoiler section. But some of the stuff earlier on that could be taken as agenda driven to me is actually plot driven and theme driven in how are you going to live your life? Which is a question that you get in Mad Max too. Yeah. Somewhat too. To me, so. I didn't uh, I didn't pick up on the agenda driven. I did pick up on the the plot and the theme uh elements, however. Uh the agenda driven stuff it's actually detached enough from the primary story <laughs> that it felt a little tacked on to me. But again, okay. in the spoiler section, we'll talk about that. All right. So sounds like we're both saying you should see it. Um very few times, you know, Mad Max was an exception where I say you really need to see this in the theater. Uh, Tomorrowland is one. It's really more that if you want to see it in the theater, it's just because you want to see it now. Um, right. And there is, you know, that big screen, big bombastic score, you know, that kind of thing. It is an experience to have. However, I think it would hold up as a, a rental or a purchase later on. I would I would suggest seeing it in the theater just because to me it really it actually felt like a Disney ride at at one of the parks. So okay. being in the theater. So right. if you if you want if you want to take that, then uh take that. Excellent. All right, we're about to play this spoiler music then. And uh thanks for listening. If you are turning us off right now, please turn us on again after the spoiler music and listen to what we have to say because honestly um, with all these movies this summer, we would love to hear from you about what you're thinking about these movies. And if you think I'm full of, you know, wrong stuff when I say, <laughs> you know, that the agenda uh, is not quite what people are thinking it is from this movie, um, you know, let me know. But right now we're going to go ahead and play the sounder and then we will talk in full spoiler mode. All right. Spoilers. 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 All right. I don't know where you want to start, Evan, but you're the guest. So um, if you have a place you want to start, let's start there. If you don't, you're the guest. So I'll start for you. So okay. you you Man, choose. But where I, have you, I have two places I want to start. I'm torn, but I'm going to go. You can only choose away. one. Okay, here it is. All right. They played the song. The song being Small it's a great, World. Big, beautiful tomorrow. Yeah. As they soon as it. they played that, I just, I, when they were playing that, I heard Daniel singing along with it. I, I don't know if you've fun. listened in one of our earlier Welcome to Level 7 episodes. It might have even been the Iron Man 2 episode. I'd have to go back and listen, and that would mean time that I don't have right now at all. <laughs> but um, he sings that, that song. I was singing it right next to my wife. She had to squeeze my hand and tell me to stop. <laughs> they also play It's a Small World after all. 
They do. Yeah. And I was not yeah. singing along to that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's one that you can't help if you do, but yep. no one does that under their own free will. I'm, I'm convinced. Uh, and I, just saying the title of the song sticks it in your head if yep. you know it. It's in there right now. Yeah. Thank Sorry, you, man. man. That's I, all right. Well, uh, that's actually my wife's favorite ride at Disney World, believe it or not. I I would go with not, except that <laughs> you have no reason to lie to me. So yep, it is. Okay. All right. All right. Um, the only Where's reason that ride point, was, was fun, happy. the only re- reason Small World is a fun ride is because you can actually reach out and make your boat go faster. <laughs> um, that's the only reason that I like that ride. Yeah. That's okay. Cool. Going down with my cousin Ken, or cousin Ken, my cousin Greg. Pushing along the side, and yeah. Let's get out of here. <laughs> uh, okay, so, so okay, they played the song, yep. and I was, uh, I was hearing Daniel sing along with it. So, what's your second place that you want to go? Can we talk about the book? Yeah, the the prequel book. Yes. Let's definitely talk about the prequel book. I have not read this. You did, really, because I kind of told you to. <laughs> um, were, well, I, I saw it in the bookstore and I asked you guys, hey, you should, or I asked Daniel, I think, or, or both of you, are you guys going to read this? And uh, you said maybe. And I was like, I don't want to get any spoilers. And you said, well, it, it's probably not going to give any spoilers. It'll just be like an add on thing. So I picked it up, read it, loved it. Yeah. Daniel was the one who's telling you to do it because, you know, don't worry about spoilers. Okay. I was the one because he had read some reviews or something. I was the one who was saying, if you don't read it, then who can talk about it on the podcast? Because I, that is correct. I'm not going to be reading it. So <laughs> well, let's talk about it briefly then, because okay. this is a prequel book. Yes. I don't know where it takes place, though. What, where in the timeline of events does this take place? All right. So this movie, the movie takes place in modern day. Right. Uh, which would be 2015. And then with the, flashbacks to yes, the 60s. Yes. The book takes place in 1939. Oh, okay. Yes. And uh, let me give you my review of the book right here. They should have made the movie about the book. Hmm. Now, I did read the free comic that I think yes. is included in the book. It was a, yes. it was on Kindle. It was uh, 16 pages, I think. Yes. Or maybe eight. But it was free. And I, I did read that and completely forgot about it until they hit a point in the movie that had yep. Edison and... Um, Tesla, uh, Tesla, and and, Eiffel. Yeah, in the Eiffel Tower. And yes. when they hit that point, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Didn't I just read a comic book like that? Oh, no, I read the comic book that goes along with this. It's not a comic book like this. So. Yes. So uh, in the book, um, it's about it's talks about kind of like the uh, the comic book that you're talking about. It talks about the founding of Plus Ultra, which is the secret society that discovered and built Tomorrowland. And the book talks about uh, in 1939. So in the movie, they referenced that Plus Ultra was going to reveal um, Tomorrowland to the world, right? Right. Right. And so they were going to do that in, in the 1960s at the, at the World's Fair with the pins and stuff. Uh, however, that is the second time they've tried to reveal it. The first time was in 1939. They didn't have pins or anything. What they did was they... <laughs> tried to pass out these comic books with special like cut out cardboard 3d glasses and the 3d glasses basically take the place of the pins and did what the pins did. They let you see 
the world of Tomorrowland okay. while you're wearing them. To only a select few people, though. <clears throat> it has to be encoded with your DNA, I guess, like the pins. Hmm. And so in that in the book, they reveal that uh, Einstein and Howard Hughes and, uh, like we already said, Tesla, stuff like, people like that, and Amelia Earhart, they're all secret members of this Plus Ultra group. Okay. That's and so, cool. Go ahead. So are we, so are you looking at like kind of the like steampunk adventures of these characters or? All right. So this is about the first time that they tried to uh, reveal Plus Ultra to the world. It's got Nazis in it. Okay. So this one guy was part of Plus Ultra and he performed an uh, immoral experiment on this kid who had got mortally wounded and put his brain in a robot. And so the kid grows up in, in, as a robot, corrupted by this Nazi influence guy, and he becomes convinced that Plus Ultra is the cause of all the world's woes and goes to like try to destroy uh, Plus Ultra and everything. And then there's the two civilian characters who come in, kind of like we have in this movie, mm-hmm. and they they discover all these secrets and uh, they they they're like the visionary character, like the main character of of Tomorrowland, the movie. So they go on this big adventure, and basically uh, they're set back because the boy in the robot uh, is misguided in thinking that Plus Ultra is evil. It actually was the evil Nazi scientist guy. And he sets out to destroy Plus Ultra's plans, and eventually they, uh, the one portal that they have to Tomorrowland is destroyed. And so Plus Ultra basically has to start from scratch again, uh, and that's how, why they took until the 1960s to get... Uh, to be able to reveal themselves again. Okay. That does it's sound lo- cool. Yeah, it's a lot more interesting if you read it. My synopsis is not that great. It would take probably longer than we want to take to give you an in-depth synopsis, but it was it was really good. And uh, it does, reading it before you go and watch the movie does, I think, heighten uh, your experience of watching the movie because you already know that Plus Ultra's out there. They already know they've got these robots. And so the robot thing didn't surprise me one bit uh, when when we it's revealed that the shop owners are robots and the girls are robot and stuff well, like that. I'll be honest. The, the girl being a robot didn't surprise me at all. Okay. Um, very early on, I kind of figured out something's off with her. Uh, yeah, because she shows up in modern day. Well, there's that too. I mean, there's, there's yeah. but even before then... I was kind of looking at her and just kind of the way she was reacting and acting. Uh, little girl, by the way, I don't know anything about her. I don't know what else she's been in, mm-hmm. but she was great. Yeah. She was great in this. And that reminded me of, you know, her character reminded me of, of 80s adventure movies, but more like the 80s Disney adventure movies, you know, like Escape from Witch Mountain or uh, Escape to Rich Mountain, rather, and Return to which mount whatever the they're called those two right. movies and and her character reminded me of something that you maybe maybe because what is the the computer that wore tennis shoes or something like that it's like <laughs> i've only seen the cup kurt russell i think might have been uh but it, it reminded me of 80s robot stories mm. um maybe even a little bit of a uh, small wonder with vicky but it reminded me of you know, the computer wore tennis shoes or whatever it was. It reminded me of, um, you know, your star man kind of thing, which isn't a robot. It's an alien, but she's there. She looks really human, 
but there's just something slightly off as she is navigating what it means to be a human. Right. And yeah. And, and so I, I liked her. Um, I liked the, I mean, really the main primary characters. I liked them all. Yeah. Um, as far as just the way they presented themselves, the acting, the protagonists uh, anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, even the, the primary antagonist, I can't remember his name, but house. Hugh Laurie? What's his name? Hugh Laurie. Yeah. 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 House. Right. Yeah. Yep. House. Yeah. And Stuart Little's dad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Wooster and Jeeves. I don't know um, that one. Well, it's an old BBC show. Um, but anyway, I, 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 anyone who's on the screen for, you know, more than a few minutes, they're, they're strong. They're strong. The yeah. dad, I wasn't really all that impressed with, uh, the brother even, I mean, he didn't have a lot to do. Uh, I think the dad is played by a country singer, isn't he? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he <laughs> I is. I don't know. Uh, well, whether he is or not, um, not yeah, too Tim impressive. McGraw. It was it Tim McGraw. Yep. No way. Yep. Okay. Well, Nothing against you, Tim McGraw. It's just uh, wasn't all that impressed. So, yeah. So the acting was was good. The music, I the next day bought the the soundtrack. <laughs> nice. Uh, it, it, it's it's definitely going to go into rotation, heavy rotation, especially with some of my writing. Um, when I'm wanting to write some some more of the all ages kind of thing, yeah, the adventurous kind of stuff. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's I need to go back and listen because I was so enthralled by the visuals, I I hardly even noticed the music. Oh, it was perfect. It was perfect, and it, it hit some mo- some moments where I'm like, oh, that is that could be ET. You know <laughs> that that could be Star Wars. Then there was a moment where it hit that it was Star Wars. <laughs> Um, well, they do have the rights. They do. They, <laughs> it was easy to get the rights. Yeah. Uh, which that this is probably the one one of the missteps early on for me is the robots who have the nostalgia store, the the retro sci fi store, um, because at the beginning of that scene, those robots are really quirky, but it's like a real funny human quirk to them. Right. And it totally fits the the place where they are. It totally fits the kind of people you'd expect who own a store that specializes in, uh, you know, old sci-fi paraphernalia. I mean, there's yeah. there's Star Wars stuff in there, and there's Iron Giant stuff mm-hmm. all over in there. Um, but I then saw there's, a whole bunch of stuff I can't even remember. Oh, there was stuff from um, Austin Space. Yeah, there was stuff from, you know, in old sci-fi movies and there's there's a number of, you know, ray guns and stuff like that that look like they're from the 50s. And so this I don't know if they're meant to be husband and wife, I can't remember, but they're definitely, you know, they're that that quarreling couple who, you know, they've they've spent all their life together and now, you know, you know, the last 20 years of their life has been spent just together. And they're just so used to each other. They can't stand each other, but they're not going to leave each other. You know, that kind of thing. And then yeah. you find out, nope, they're robots. <laughs> and I'm not, you notice I'm not saying robot, you know, because yeah. uh, I'm going with that retro. You know, they're robots. I'm going to try and bring that back. Nice. Robots. It needs to be brought back. And so they start doing, you know, things like fluttering eyes and repeating phrases over and over again. Yep. And they went from 
perfect imitation of a human to completely flawed, poor representation of any kind of real realism really quickly, really, really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and it was when they started revealing, okay, maybe we're not as kind as we seem to be. And not only are we not kind, oh, now we're starting to malfunction. <laughs> and our eyes don't work anymore. It bothered me. It just happened too quickly. The malfunctioning should have just started when, you know, someone finally got a shot in on them. Yeah. And then, okay, so now they've just taken a shot. They've just taken some sort of explosion. And now they're going to start malfunctioning, not just, oh, we revealed we're evil, so now malfunction. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that they they did some stuff like that in the in the book as well. Uh, they, they used to have all the robots that Plus Ultra had were all the the same guy. They're all the same. Ro- they they looked all the same. The same model. Yeah, they were called Faustus robots. They they were all the yeah, and so they. It, it's it's cool how much that played into into the movie. The backstory really just was fleshed out, and I. I think I just had a different viewing experience just because I, I knew all that backstory coming in. So I was okay with it. Um, it just, it was abrupt. It was abrupt. Now the scene itself, aside from that abruptness, um, when the robot girl comes mm-hmm. and rescues our human girl, uh, the, was the time, the time bomb, the time that was so bomb. Cool. That was really, really cool where the time bomb goes off and there's this field where time has stopped and it has stopped as these lasers are just exiting the gun and just about to hit our protagonist. But her hand is caught in it too. Yes. And you can't pull it out because time has stopped for her hand. It brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. And yeah, so then they leave and then, um, after they escape, more robots come, and they're bad guy robots. We're from the the Tomorrowland, the Tomorrowland um, yes. government, basically. That's coming to to stop. Um, they'll stop the, the girl, girl, the, the, the girl the robot's girl. mission. Yeah, I'm looking up her name so we can call her. Yeah. That. So, and Athena. those Vina. Athena. Athena. Oh, that's right. Athena. Yeah. And those bad guy robots, they were good. They were cool. They they had from the beginning the creepy smile. Yeah. They they yeah. were just, you know, kind of falling into the uncanny valley. Yeah. And now that part shocked me when they just up and vaporized that police officer. That was surprising. I was not expecting that. And again, reminding me of eighties family movies, you know, where you know, flight of the navigator, some of those things where, uh, it's pretty gentle. And then all of a sudden something will happen. And you're just like, Whoa, wait, what? That was, yeah, that they, they can do that in a kid's movie. Um, back when, you know, us kids were made of sturdier stuff, <laughs> you know, they killed ET, man. We survived. So did ET, but that's another story. Yeah. Some people survived. <laughs> I know some guys who are like so freaked out by that because ET died and Elliot screaming. And oh, it bothered me. They quit right there. It bothered me, but then 
I got to see the end, you know, and yeah. I was Elliot, man, 100%. I wanted to be Elliot. I, I started wearing long underwear shirts <laughs> yeah. simply because he wore long underwear through so much of that movie. Oh man. But another story, another day. <laughs> so back to Tomorrowland. Yes. Um, the special effects, there were times like the time bomb where it was just, it was perfect. It looked real. Yeah. You know, but there were times where it was, I think primarily with the robot characters. And that's why I say, um, it's surprising, but I'm, I'm talking about the mechanical robot characters, not the human looking ones. Okay. When they were on the screen, it felt, and maybe this is a directing thing as far as directing the human characters, especially this is the George Clooney character as a boy. Um, but also later on with, with uh, the modern day characters. Uh, and maybe it's just a directing thing and just getting the eye line off or just not, I, I don't know. I think it was a rendering thing though. I think it was that the, it, it just was a little off and not quite as photorealistic as we're used to seeing yeah. in modern movies, because, you know, supposedly every year things are getting better and better and better. Right. And this felt like maybe a step backward. Well, and I don't know if anybody else agrees with this, but I feel like Disney's live action movies all kind of share that. I don't want to say like fake looking, but it's just the CGI you can tell is is not quite up to par with what other studios are doing. Yeah, but doesn't Disney use other studios? I mean, don't they use like Industrial Light and Magic and, and those those. I- I Places? think so, but like I'm talking about like in Cinderella, the new movie, uh, in Alice in Wonderland. Uh, See, those are two I haven't seen. Um, but I could speak to, you know, Tron, where they made Jeff Bridges look younger with Tron Legacy. And that was just yeah. kind of that, again, uncanny valley where, uh, okay, you know, when you. That was a new thing. Yeah. When you're in the world of the, you know, the computer world, I think you you can forgive that young Jeff Bridges doesn't look like real Jeff Bridges or a human Jeff Bridges. He looks like a special effect, but that's okay. You're in a computer world. But when you're in the real world and he's like in the flashback at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, But John Carter, I'm trying to think through with John Carter, if there was anything there. I think they did a little better with John Carter, but some of it you could, I think you could still see that, that, Disney signature on the CGI. Well, the, to me, it, anyway. it bothered me in Tomorrowland. It it okay. did bother me in Tomorrowland. And I, I just I see where you're coming from with those robots, those big rock'em sock'em robots. It just it took me out. Yeah, it, it took me out, and and there wasn't a lot that took me out of the movie, but that that was one of them. One of the one of the few things that, that actually was like, oh, that doesn't, you know, I I yeah. can't. Uh, I usually can be forgiving of things like that. And, and it just, it just, it just hit me. And so that's, that's one of the, the dings that I would give this movie. I'll um, agree with you. I, I did take a, it did take me a step away from it. Just the, just that those robots. I don't know if there was any other thing. I was very impressed with the, the, uh, and I don't know if it's part acting on the actors parts in it or part CGI, uh, but but the actual like the eye glitches and the neck twitches of the robots, I thought that was very uh, unhuman. Yes, and and still looked totally real. 
Like yes. these were actual androids. I thought that was very impressive. I, I would agree with that, especially as they're like, um, well, with, with Athena, where she kind of reboots after being knocked down kind of thing. And she'll yeah. sit up and her eyes will flicker and, and blink, but not in sync. And much faster than a human could really do that. Right. Um, there was one part where she was running. And I know. Yes. I know what my kids are going to do when, when, the, when they see it. But as she's running, it worked. You know, it worked at that fast motion running, that yeah. kind of a blur to it. And I know my kids are going to, you know, make the bionic noise from the $6 million man <laughs> when she does that. But um, that makes me say, okay, if you did a modern day $6 million man, which they're doing, the $6 billion man, I guess. with Are they really? Well, I think Mark Wahlberg. I haven't heard like any actual like start dates or, or anything like that. But <laughs> yeah, when they do that, they aren't going to have to do the slow motion running yeah they will they will but they'll also be able to do some fast motion stuff with with the legs uh moving faster and and the body you know not having that superhuman movement so and that that worked as a as an effect as well um yeah i thought that was a uh, pretty realistic looking action moments when 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 there's action going on explosions and, and stuff like that running from spot to spot Yep. trying to escape um laser guns were cool yeah yeah Those well pretty sweet and in that retro shop when you know they're they're pulling off you know off the shelf like these toy lasers yeah and they're not toys <laughs> oh, that's so cool that's so neat I, yeah i liked i really liked the uh the guns that the the androids had when they're breaking into george clooney's house i thought those were pretty cool looking yeah absolutely i also enjoyed all the traps he had for them that was pretty sweet. Now I had seen that somewhere. I don't know if that was part of a trailer or if it was or what, but I had seen some of those parts where like they're walking through the the laser net. I hadn't seen that. That was cool. You know, like their their own momentum just carries them through this laser net and cuts cuts them up or uh the magnetic stuff. Yeah. Um and then when one of the robots reaches out, grabs the girl by the wrist and then they cut off the hand, but then she's got this hand stuck to her her wrist. And as they're running, he magnetizes a wall, and her yeah. her hand gets pulled back because the the robot hand is still stuck to her wrist. So. Oh, and then they shoved half that robot into a portal. Yes, that was really cool too. That was sweet. That was awesome. Um, and so yeah, the action stuff works for me. The fight uh, between George Clooney and Hugh Laurie. Where they end up like going uh, into the beach and mm-hmm. things get tossed at them through the through the portal from the other stuff that's going on and uh, that's toward the climax. That was cool. I enjoyed that. Um, but as far as sci-fi ideas go, this is where it was hitting some some fun stuff for me. I mean, you have yep. you have sentient AI. Yep, that's cool. I love robots when you do it well. Yes, I mean. You know, Athena could hang out with Ultron, I think. Yep. And, and you know, other than one being a homicidal maniac robot and the other one being, you know, a little girl who wants to help the world. Um, aside from that, you know, I, th- I think that they could they could hang. They could, they could be friends. And, and then he would try and kill her. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was neat. And she, she did have a character arc that was leading her from, I am... Um, not human, but you know, and then 
she's making a sacrifice and she's uh, admitting maybe that she had feelings. Yeah. For George Clooney's character. And here's here's something. The acting in this film, this girl who I don't know what, like we said, we don't know what else she's from. She's holding her own with George Clooney. He's yeah, almost, yeah. He's, he's almost the king of Hollywood. Well, and she's not just holding her own against him, but the way she, her character is written, her character is the... Love interest. Well, kind of. not just the love interest. I mean, there is that, and that's a little awkward. But, um, yeah. Just because of the visual. But um, she's also kind of the dominant force in the relationship. She's the one pushing him to act. She's the one pulling him along. Uh, she's the one who he is reluctant and doesn't want to, you know, take the call to action, so to speak. Um, and she's the one who's pushing him over the threshold. And, yeah. and it's, it's a neat relationship, but here's this little girl. Now, obviously she's a robot and she's been alive for longer. Um, well, more, more than likely, I don't know, not knowing the backstory, but I would assume she's been alive longer than he has. Um, but if she hasn't, not much longer, even though she looks like she's still a child. Um, she's the one who's who's driving their relationship. And so as an actor, that's put on her yeah. to drive the, you know, the relationship for their characters. She does well. She does really well. I, be- I totally believe their relationship and I was really like crossing my fingers and praying that they weren't going to kiss or something on that last scene. That they were or weren't? That they were not. Oh, I kind of was hoping was like, that they might they might give her like an adult body or yeah. something. You know, like well, I've aged. I feel older, and I think it'd be more appropriate or something. Like yeah. That. <laughs> but, I was just like, please, just please, don't let them kiss. Yeah, but here's the the theme thing kind of coming from that. Is here is a man who, in a lot of ways, has not grown up and has not let go of those childhood feelings. And his story arc, in a lot of ways, is letting go of her, letting go of his pain because of her. Although I didn't quite understand exactly the motivation there for why he felt so betrayed, you know by her but i guess he thought that she you know she i guess he thought she lied to him yeah yeah but i i I don't buy that i i think that's something that should could have easily could have easily been resolved if he had been a a rational thinking person you know at the time but i guess maybe uh, maybe he just never really grew up i mean he's a little boy well that's what i'm saying this is him having to learn to grow up take Take action, not necessarily take responsibility for your actions. Although that's a part of it too. He created something that, you know, shouldn't have been created, as they say, uh, because of what it could be used for. But he, but he also has to let go of her. And so you have that, and it's visually there. It's a visual moment where he flies up in the the jetpack. Not just you know the jetpack's not being used for fun now, right? And and he's letting her go, literally dropping her from his arms to her death. Now, she's going to die no matter what. But this way, when she dies, she has that uh, self-destruct device that's going to take out the big bad thing. Right. Um, and, and I like that element. So 
you know, to have her be still look like a child and, you know, have the kind of awkwardness of we had feelings for each other when we were 10 or whatever. Yeah. And I'm still 10. You know, she's not really, and he's not really showing, you know, romantic inclination toward her, but they're rebuilding that friendship that they had before. And he's having to let go of that and let go of his childhood in a lot of ways. Mm. And that resounded with me. It, it did as, as a, you know, someone who has action figures on his desk and someone <laughs> who, um, you know, really fondly still remembers, you know, movies like E.T. So this movie is making me uh, feel nostalgia on one hand and making me relive the feelings I had when I watched E.T., on one hand, on the other hand, it's saying you gotta let go of your childhood. You gotta let it go, and and so there, it, it made me think and maybe feel. That's successful. Mm-hmm. That's a successful movie. Yeah. So, um, real quick, let's let's talk about something else, and then we'll. Um, this won't be the last thing necessarily, but I, I do want to get into this, and that's the okay. end of this movie. And some of the agenda stuff that people talked about all through the movie, the, the MacGuffin is a device that allows the people to figure out and look into the future and all these possible futures and predict the end of the world. And so the end of the world prediction is showing that the world is going to end in two months. Yeah. That was surprising. And so, first of all, think about the timeline, though. Two months, and the world is going to end, and they show mushroom clouds. They show flooding. They show drought. They show all of these horrible, horrible things, things that, you know, they show icebergs falling off of, uh, you know, Antarctica. Right. A lot of the things they're showing are things that are coming from, you know, global warming, from the imagery that we get. Uh, of global warming and what's happening and all that kind of thing. We're being told global warming is destroying the earth. We're going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's where a lot of the pushback, I think, is is from conservative circles coming where they're saying, look, this, they're showing the world being destroyed by global warming. Or, And I'm just saying, well, wait a minute. <laughs> this is two months from now. Right. You know, that's not the way global warming would work. That's not the way it could work. That's not the way anyone's saying it works. So that to me was like, wait a minute. When I first started seeing the imagery, I'm like, oh, that's bad. You know, they're maybe they are talking about, but then no, this is two months from that day of the movie. I was just thinking it all was caused by the nuclear bombs. Well, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, by and then the world's going to turn into Mad Max. Yeah. Well, this absolutely. Is a Mad Max. It, that's the thing. Mad Max could be that future that they're looking at, that they're looking right. and saying, this is going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And so then the movie suggests, you know, that just by her being there and choosing to act, the the future, the images of the future change for a split second. And the odds of that future happening get lowered by what a millionth or a, a thousandth or a, yeah. a percent or something like that. And that to me, and I don't know about what you were saying 
about you know Christians need to see this movie. Um, but that to me is huge. Now there's definitely a humanist element to that. You can change the world. You can save the world. Your choices will change the world. You, you, you. Mm. Um, which is only partially true from a Christian worldview. Right. The choices we make do affect the world. And the choices that we make do fit into the way God uses us to you know, save the world or whatever. But none of it is like, if you don't do this, then the the world's going to go this way. If you do do this, the world's going to go this way. God's still got control. And so when people yeah. are making bad choices, there is still an element of, you know, God knows what's going on. God being omnipresent, God being omnipotent, um, God being God, you know, he is, you're not going to undo his plans. No. And even if you choose to do something that would affect the world or your surroundings or your community in a positive way, the Bible says it, it's God who enables you to will and to do that good thing. So which completely diffuses humanism altogether because even as Christians, when we choose to follow and do the right thing, it's, it's God who enables us to even do that, even want to do that. But what that scene shows to me, though, is your actions, your choices have consequences. Yeah. And have real world consequences, not just consequences for your own life where if I choose to be selfish, I get what I want. But if I choose to be selfish, I get what I want, and it does affect people around me. If I choose to be selfless, I may not get what I want, but it also affects people around me. You know, And I actually heard someone define sacrifice recently, uh, I believe it was Sunday morning, where they defined it as giving up something good for a, a better thing, for a better result. Mm-hmm. You know? so like you're, and ultimately, you have you know, Christ giving up his life. But the end result being, you know, the salvation of, of people, you know, that kind of thing. But that's what you see here is making a, a choice affects the people around you and affects the world, quote unquote, world being, you know, your sphere. You don't know how big it extends. You don't know what that little act of compassion, how far that goes. You don't know how that little act of uh, anger or rage, you don't know how far that goes as far as affecting someone and feelings they might have down the road and those kind of things. And, and that's where there's some really, you know, interesting things later on then where they're seeing all these possible futures, you know, just a few seconds from now, but they're able to use that and consider, okay, if this happens a few seconds from now, I can actually choose to act to stop that. And so it is for us a real world, um, you know, correlation is to really just be thinking through what, what reaction will be brought about by my by my action, and so you see that with Athena, where she sees that possible future of George Clooney getting killed, and she jumps in front of the laser beam before it has a chance to hit him, and it's it's fun, it's interesting, and that is definitely a theme the movie is trying to get you to think about choosing to do things that are good, you know, choosing to do things that are going to affect the world in a positive way. 
because that's when we get to the end. And this is what bothers me. This The end itself doesn't bother me. What bothers me is how long it took to say what they were trying to say. And okay. here's what I wish they had done. Now, our narration at the beginning and in the middle is coming from George Clooney and the other human protagonist. I can't remember her name either, but we'll... Casey. We'll, AC? Casey. Casey. Okay. Clooney and Casey are telling this story of what happened on that day when the world's destruction was averted. They're telling it to robots that they're going to send out into the world to give people pins to allow them to see Tomorrowland and seek it out. And like you were saying, this is the third time then, right? Right. Yep. So the first time being in the 30s, second time being in the 60s. And this is the third time now where, but it's actually working the way it's supposed to now. Right. So they have all of these images of places where they're going to go. So as the robots are getting, you know, they're children robots and they're getting the pep talk from George Clooney. You're going to go off and you're going to do some stuff and you're going to find the people who dream, find the people with imagination, find the people who want to change the world. And then they send them through the portal and each kid goes through the portal. And as soon as they do, the scenery changes. And so one of them goes through and it's a wind farm. It's windmills. Mm-hmm. One of them goes through and it's like a busy city street and, and different things like that. I'm okay with all that. But then they show where every single one of them went through. Then they show where every single one of them put the pin and, and they show the person that every single one of them was sent to go find picking up the pin. It really should have been as simple as they send them through. You get the pep talk. We get the idea. They're streaking out you know, dreamers. And then you see a pin and you see a hand reach down and pick it up. But by going and visiting every single one of them and seeing what they're doing, this is where I think a lot of the agenda is coming through on the filmmaker's part as if to say, look, in case you missed it, here's what we're saying. And we're going to put a pin on it and not let you interpret it. But we're going to make it you know, into something that... Uh, is very specific to how we interpret it. We don't want there to be any kind of confusion about what we're saying. And that's, you can save the world and we're going to show environmentalists and we're going to show, you know, that that's where that is coming from. And to me, what bothers me is not that they actually are doing that. It bothers me that it's so on the nose mm-hmm. when we get there. And this is the kind of thing that, you know, Christian storytellers, rightfully so in some ways, get called out for, mm. you know, for just saying, we got to the end and here's the message, you know, yep, I, I agree. So that that was another ding, which is why, um, you know, I, I ended up going down to that, that B plus still good, still exciting, but we get to that ending it just should have been so simple so simple of just one hand and you know i i can see where they were trying to do representation of you know people around the world yeah. different um you know cultures different skin colors you know all that kind of thing to represent the just the diversity that really should be there i mean mm-hmm. if if it's a global society and they're going out to find people all around the world the diversity should be there um 
so maybe you would just show one hand reaching for the pin and then show the field with all those people in it as, as yeah. they're looking at yeah. Tomorrowland or something like that. But just simplify it and let us develop our own thoughts about it. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it just hung on a little too long, much like my comments about it, I think, maybe <laughs> hanging on a well, little too long. But Well, let me tell you why what, what I got out of this and uh, why I would recommend this to Christians. Because I, I didn't pick up on that uh, propaganda, I guess, at the end. So I'm watching this movie, and I, I would probably be a futurist if I wasn't a Christian. Uh, and the reason I'm not a futurist is because uh, I know that the hope for mankind is not in technology or the future. Right, or right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm not. But I love, I love... Uh, invention. I love, uh, you know, space stuff. Uh, I love all that stuff that, that is so prevalent in this movie and so prevalent in Walt Disney's imagination. So I'm watching this movie and I'm so enjoying the, the visuals we get and the part where she first gets the pin and walks into the city and takes that tour, uh, through the world of tomorrow, man, I am just loving that. That is so awesome. And then I start getting really depressed because I'm like, man, this, this stuff is hitting me in a a place in my heart and in my imagination that is just, just so wonderful. This, this, this stuff that they're showing us, it's so great. Uh, I wish I could go there. I wish mankind was capable of getting to this spot. But because I know what the Bible says, I know it's just going to get worse. <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, ah, oh, this is. I'm just really depressed. So, but then as I'm watching the movie, I started thinking, you know what? Though, there is a place like this, and it's not on the Earth. It is in another dimension, or time, or what have you. And it is going to be just like this, but ten million times better because it's heaven. Man can't get there, but God is already making that place for us. And that just so encouraged me to think that all the stuff that my imagination and my heart and, you know, stuff longs for is a real place and it's there. I mean, we talk, we look at the book of Revelation, it talks about heaven, it describes this awesome, huge city with these crazy things that we can hardly even imagine, just like uh, the, the, the world of Tomorrowland. And, then they take it another step in, in this way. I don't know. This is probably totally unintentional on the filmmaker's part, but this is what I got out of it. With the pins, man, that's like Christians because we know that we have access to this place one day. And God has called us to go out and to tell other people about it and to let them in on this secret that he has built in this other place. And so it's just, to me, it just struck me as a really awesome analogy for heaven and for uh in the great commission Hmm. and i it has encouraged me to want to go out and and be a a better light and to be a better i guess quote-unquote recruiter for jesus since i've seen this movie and in fact i've ordered a tomorrowland pin to keep with me to remind me that uh there is a better place out there and that I can tell other people how to get there. Yeah. You sent a message saying you'd gotten your pin. 
Yes, you you were ordered your pin or whatever, but yep, I was really torn because they have two pins. One's from the the movie, and then the other one is the blue one that uh, George Clooney got from the nineteen sixties World Fair. I was really torn, but I ended up going with the the regular one because I wanted to have a a movie prop people would recognize. <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> if you want to, you know, not be obscure and obtuse, but whatever, man, <laughs> whatever. So. Not a very good reason. <laughs> I like the color blue better anyway. So fair enough. Fair I'm enough. just going to buy both of them eventually, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's, that's good. I mean, I I don't think I've really made that kind of a, a connection there, but there is something to yeah. that, especially with the idea of the pin. You know, where it's it's yeah. just a matter of just reaching out and picking it up, and you get the glimpse of it, and then do you you know follow it? You know, and yep. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. I yeah, and I usually there's rarely do I draw deep spiritual meaning from many of the movies I watch, but uh it's just I guess it's just God just tapped me on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's profound uh there's profound discovery of meaning that can come out of a movie, and then there's what we kind of do sometimes here, which is you know, taking a stretch and yeah, and being like, okay, well, here's a possible uh, spiritual application that it takes. You know, like five different pairs of really weird colored glasses to even say right. it. But, um, but you know, generally, I I think looking at the themes of of a movie gives you gives you a glimpse into some sort of spiritual truth, whether oh, it's yeah. the, the anti version of that spiritual truth or, or the positive version. But with this, I think, if, there's, I think if you go digging for it, then I, you can definitely find spiritual meaning in almost any type of storytelling because God's the ultimate storyteller. Yeah. But yeah. just for me, rarely does it just present itself up on the surface like that, unless God's just uh, digging it up for me. So that was cool. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. All right. Well, um, I think that'll do it for this conversation then. And our next episode of Strangers and Aliens, I believe, will be about Jurassic World. I am not sure because I'll be going away for a time um, to to a camp where usually on the weekend, uh, between the weeks, I'll, I'll catch a movie. And so it's quite possible that my next episode will end up being just me sitting in a car afterward talking about Jurassic world. Uh, so I don't disturb my family by going back into where we're staying, but uh, who knows? I don't know. Uh, and then we'll have an episode that, that Steve and I recorded a while back, uh, but that doesn't fit into the schedule because of the way the movies have been released and wanting to get them, these episodes out close to the release of the movies, not weekend of release with these, but um, Jurassic world. If I do it, the you know, kind of the, the uh, you know low tech way where I'm just sitting in my car talking into a microphone uh, that that might be weekend of release, but we'll we'll see. And honestly, here's the problem: this summer has felt so top loaded uh, between yeah. between Tomorrowland, Mad Max, and Age of Ultron. We've gotten a huge popcorn movie with Age of Ultron that just hits. And all cylinders with action and wit and adventure. And then you have Mad Max that hits out of nowhere with 
some pretty profound themes, but lots of just explosions and beauty on the screen, <laughs> yep. you know. Uh, but so, but it's also that dark dystopian future, and then you have Tomorrowland that comes out of not quite nowhere. I mean, this is a Disney movie, and they've promoted it quite a bit. It's a Disney movie; they're going to spend money on making the movie, and they're going to spend money to make sure they get that money back. Right. But um, it 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 kind of hit then with with this kind of just fun, adventurous, you know. We're going to have a, an adventure and come along with us on this ride, like you said. Uh, this is kind of a, th- a one, two, three hit where pow, 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 what else could live up to this? Jurassic, Jurassic, Jurassic World. World, I don't know, man. I mean, Spielberg's involved oh, in so producing bad. it, but uh, it's, it's hmm, man. It, I don't know, Ben. It's going to have to be really good to live up to the, what we've had in the summer so far. I think there's only... We started out on the peak, and we're only going to go downhill from here. Not downhill. Maybe maybe it's a gentle slope, but it's going to be downhill. I, I just uh, I have a feeling. I hope that's not the case. I'm I'm so looking forward to Jurassic Park. When I was growing up, that was my favorite movie. So Jurassic World, and then we have uh, Ant Man. Yep. <laughs> um, Fantastic Four. That's the summer, right? Yep. Yeah. Looking forward to that. And. I just don't see I don't see us hitting the heights of Mad Max and Tomorrowland and Ultron. I I, well, you, I just don't. You know what? If you take a plane and you fly down from here uh to South America during the uh months of September and October and November and December, well then it's still gonna be summer and uh you'll be able to see Star Wars episode seven in the summer and uh That's a different have- time i mean come on now. <laughs> it doesn't work that way well, i'm sorry it doesn't work that way that's christmas man that's christmas and that's a whole nother thing we also have a james bond movie this summer don't we i didn't i didn't think that was this summer I, maybe it's like maybe at the end of summer okay it's it's it might be in the fall it might be in the fall anyway uh, this summer started out really, really strong, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at a gentle slope. I'm hoping it's a gentle slope and not just a hard fall. But yeah, well, it ends with Fantastic Four, so you never know. <sighs> Jurassic World. I'll say this: it could, it could exceed the original. It could. You think so? It could. Because the we've had you know the benefit of years between then and now, it's going to be better than the third one. Yes, and it's quite likely to be better than the second one. I agree. But so there's that. But that's not a <laughs> that's not really an achievement. Definitely not the third one. No, not an achievement. Hopefully, it won't have any talking raptors. That was dumb. That was really a stupid, stupid call to do the talking raptor. It made me jump <laughs> when I first saw it. All right, all right. But I, now I do appreciate Lost World because of the two movies that it is. Right the the, the capture the dinosaurs one and then the and then the Godzilla release. one. Yeah, the Godzilla. Yeah, but that appreciation of those two movies, neither of them lived up to the original. 
And Jurassic World, eh, we'll see. We'll see. Can you believe there's only 15 minutes of dinosaurs in the original Jurassic Park? I totally can. So crazy. And It's Jaws. Can you believe that a lot of them are puppets and practical effects? I know. That's so awesome. <laughs> it's like if you see the full body, you're looking at a, a CGI creation. But if you're just seeing a hand or even a head, <laughs> it's it's a puppet. They totally tricked us. Totally tricked us. And to think, yeah, I, I, at least I think they tricked us into thinking the whole thing was CGI. But, yeah. And it, I'm, I'm going to give myself away here. I was so young when I saw that. I just saw dinosaurs. <laughs> well, I was in college. And I was like six. It did change. <laughs> like, it was one of those jaw dropping moments of cinema where you just, they're real. They yeah. are real. Star Wars is one of those moments, just draw, jaw dropping in Jurassic Park. But we're talking about Tomorrowland here. So, Tomorrowland 2, what do you think? I would love to see it. You know what? I would love to see an animated series. We're not going to see any of those things. I know. I'm so bummed. <laughs> I would I would settle just for another book. It was so good to read. I'll say this uh, about Tomorrowland 2. I'll say this about Tron 3. And I'll even say this about John Carter 2. None of those things are going to happen. And you know what? You know what that means? It means they're not going to stink. That's <laughs> what that means. It means that we're not going to go in and say, yeah, but the original was so much better. Like Jurassic Park. We're not going to have Lost World Jurassic Park version of Tomorrowland. We're not going to have, you know, just, oh, the first one was so good and this one stunk. So Small favors. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Evan, thank you so much for being on here. and just uh, Thank you for having me. Once more, could you please tell people where they can find you online? Sure. Uh, we do a podcast called the Static Blade Podcast. Uh, and it's at facebook.com slash static blade podcast. We call it static blade podcast mostly because it sounds cool. And secondly, because static being pop culture, the blade being the word of God, we want to cut through that, but also use the static as a blade to help sharpen ourselves as Christians. So, all right. It works. Well, thanks for being on here. And, uh, Everyone else, you can go to Strangers and Aliens to find us and to find you know contact information. And you can also listen to, I believe, the end credits right now where we will also give that information out. And final thing, did you stay for the credits of Tomorrowland? I did not. You missed it. There oh, do they have an after credits thing? There was. There was. But the credits finished. They show the Tomorrowland pin. A hand grabs it. And then that's the end. Oh, and really? it, yeah. And it's, it's Tomorrowland pinned against a black background and then a hand reaches in, takes it and, and it's done. So, I mean, it's, you didn't miss anything at all, Yeah, but I'm glad I didn't stay there is that little bit there. I always stay though. That's, that's just my thing. I know. I, I got a problem and I, I understand it. I know it. <laughs> Admitting your problem is the first step and I just can't get past any other ones. So, all right. Well, until next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And all I can really say is Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Strangers and Aliens summer movie series. 
you can email us at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or leave us a voicemail at 1-804-37-ALIEN. That's 1-804-372-5436. We'd love to hear from you. You can also go to our website, strangersandaliens.com, leave a comment on the blog, or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. We're also on Twitter, Strange and Alien. Check us out. This podcast is a proud member of the Crossover Nexus, a group of podcasts and blogs that engage faith and pop culture. Find out more at www.crossovernexus.com. Crossover Nexus.